All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's December 16th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are coming at you with Week 15. Can't believe it. Can't believe I'm saying it. Week 15 cash game plays for FanDuel and DraftKings. Season's got, what, three more three more weeks left to go now? I guess so, yeah. In my mind, football, like, ends in February, which I know is actually accurate. But I always forget that the regular season ends, like, has to end much before that because they can only play one game a week. So I'm also feeling surprised. I also know we're getting late in the year when you see the old Saturday game show up on the schedule. That's uh, that's the signal that you're – I mean, well, I guess, like, COVID's made that a little different because – oh, I guess we haven't had any Saturday games yet. It's only been pushed. Well said. Uh, This whole part was well said. (laughs) Well thought out, well said. (laughs) Yeah, this was good. Good segment. (laughs) A block. We're almost through the A block, and uh, I think we rushed it. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, back after this. (laughs) Keeping people around. Um, Okay, week 15 cash game plays. I do think actually, at least right now, there's some injury stuff kind of hanging out there. We'll go through that in our game-by-game podcast. I do think we're getting fairly close to what I think is going to be like pretty logical cash game lines that are that we're looking at. Um, I don't think there's a ton of consideration. Like last week, I felt. I mean, last week we had a good week, but I did feel a little weird going into it um, with some of our lineups, and we were definitely off chalk in some places, uh, which we've been kind of all year, and it's it's been okay. Um, this week, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Famous last words, but let's go through some of these plays uh, and just take a look at where we're going to land. The at quarterback. We haven't really done it too much this season, and the and the year for him has been, I don't know, pretty much up and down. It hasn't been bad. It's only kind of been bad compared to how great he was last year, and that's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's not averaging 30 fantasy points a game this year. Right, and it's because the passing touchdowns and inter- you know dropped down, which we knew they were going to, and the interceptions ticked up a little bit. But in terms of just overall fantasy floor, it does look a little tough to get away from Lamar Jackson this week against Jacksonville. The matchup's perfect. Um, he's turned it on lately. He has 124 rushing yards last week. He had 94 the week before. He really hasn't rushed for fewer than 50 rushing yards in the last seven weeks. Um, he's In that time, he's averaging like 75 yards a game. And the passing yards are going to be what they are. Like he had a 100-yard passing game against Dallas. But in general, against Jacksonville here, I kind of just see him as easily the safest play in terms of cash. Do you, do, you kinda, do you agree with that with Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I'm back on the Jackson train. He's a guy that I've dabbled with a decent amount of big tournaments as well just because, you know, whenever you can get a guy who has the upside for by far the most points at the position in a given week for a discount to the price of the top guys, I think you have to pay attention. And the fact that it, this reminds me of his rookie year, right, where the Ravens are kind of fighting tooth and nail, trying to push into the playoffs. Yeah. And they're unleashing him more, right? I mean, we saw this early in the season. Uh, aside from the 16-carry game against Houston, he didn't crest over double-digit carries in any other game until the Pittsburgh game on November 1st. And then since then, he's basically been a lock for, you know, on average around 13 carries a game. Uh, he's got 200-yard rushing games, five rushing touchdowns in that span as well. So, yeah, I think he's basically fully unleashed right now. Jacksonville, like you said, just dream matchup. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with it here. Yeah, Jacksonville checks all the boxes. They rank dead last, I think, against the pass. It's either them or the Jets. Let me just look real quick. Um, they are, yeah, dead last. Oh, no, they're dead last in uh, unadjusted DVOA, and they are second to last against the pass this season. Uh, yeah, and, come on. you got to give them credit for the strength of schedule. So just 
just second to last. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they also allow a ton of opponent plays per game. Uh, they rank twenty eighth, or you know, whichever way you want to flip this thing. They, let's say they they, they allow the fifth most um, the fifth most opponent plays per game. So I think Jackson, mm-hmm. you're only really at this point concerned about the price. Uh, Fanduel is getting you know kind of steep at eighty two hundred. DraftKings, uh, I think he's seventy five. Yeah, seventy five hundred. So uh, at that point, you're only looking at the price. I do think there's a couple guys that are a little cheaper here that offer something of the same skill set and i'll just kind of lump them together they played against each other last week and that's Taysom hill and jalen hurts now we had hill in cash very under owned and that was looking awful at halftime of that game i think he had one fantasy point at halftime of the game it was yeah, looking real, not a lot of fantasy points. really really bad turned it on in the second half ended up with almost 300 yards passing two touchdowns didn't run as much now he had he had gone double digit carries in each of his first three games, and then only ran five times last week. Now it, I'm pretty sure Drew Brees is not going to play this week, so I'm saying that with Hill. And then we have Hertz, who kind of did the same thing. So he ran 18 times. Where do you land? And I did write up Hertz last week, and I kind of actually was borderline thinking he was a cash game play. Ultimately, couldn't risk it. I didn't think, um, but he's still coming really cheap on DraftKings. Give me your thoughts on these guys. Yeah, I really like Hertz and Hill, frankly. Uh, Hill. It hasn't always been pretty with him, but the fact of the matter is when you zoom out on the game log, it's it's basically a week-in, week-out thing for him. Um, going up against Kansas City, you'd figure that they're going to not be in a position where they're just kind of grinding out the clock, right? Like they're going to need to keep showing up and putting yardage on the board. The running still gives him a great floor, even if that wasn't what carried him through last week. So, yeah, I think he's totally playable. Uh, Hertz, I think, is a pretty interesting upside option because essentially – what you're buying with Hertz is basically like a running back one yeah. with a little bit of passing upside, and that's just plenty at these price points, right? I mean, if he's going to get 18 carries in a game, I'd say in a game where he gets 18 carries, he's a favorite to score a touchdown. <laughs> so um, if you're going to get you know something like 80 to 100 yards on the ground plus on average three quarters of a touchdown, that's just a great running start at these price points. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very up on Hertz this week. I don't know if I would... I think I'd rather just pay the extra 1300 and play Lamar Jackson, who rates to be the better, more consistent version of him in a much better matchup. But on DraftKings, where the pricing is a little bit more spread out, I, I could certainly dream on it. Yeah, so the matchup for Hill against KC is a good one in the sense that KC is pretty bad at stopping the run. Like they're, they're better against the pass. But if you, f- if you figure we're trying to buy both, you know, buy these quarterbacks on the uh, – upside of their legs, then the part where KC struggles to sort of stop some stuff on the ground actually is does favor does favor Hill like a, sort of in the aggregate. And the fact that he, that's a part of it, and like you said, there's a good chance they're just playing catch-up. Good conditions, too. This one's at home in New Orleans. So I think I'd probably lean Hill here, even though it, it looked a little weird in Week 14. But And I'm, I'm also just a little concerned that the Jalen Hurts thing was, oh, now – you know, Arizona has had a week to look at what the plan was with him against New Orleans, where New Orleans just sort of didn't have that option all that much, like to look at what a whole game's worth of plays that were going to come down the pike in terms of Jalen Hurts, and it was just hard to prepare. Um, I'm a little concerned that that kind of re- you know reverts back a little bit now that a defense can figure it out. And that being said, for 5,900, if you're going to run, if you have just even double-digit rushing upside for a quarterback, you got to really take a long, hard look. So uh, I'm, I'd be fine with any one of these three guys at their price points. I think people probably will talk themselves into Kyler Murray a little bit too. Murray's, he, you know, after – we're going to move on to the other positions here in a sec. But Murray, 
after we were sort of worried about him not running anymore, he kind of dispelled that last week and he ran a ton again. So maybe that's just, maybe it was sort of just some run bad around him not scrambling too much because last week, uh, let me just look real quick. Yeah, last week yeah, he had 13 yeah, carries 13, for 47. Exactly. He was like five carries for weeks and weeks and weeks and then all of a sudden 13 carries. So I think you could probably talk yourself in the Murray there as well. All four of these guys at their price points I think are fine. I do think you see ownership spread out among that group. Maybe Hill uh, with the least least ownership among that group. Okay, let's go and talk about running backs. I think this one is pretty clear around a couple guys that we're going to play. Walk us through some of the thoughts here uh, at running back. Right, so it starts with the big money guy this week, and I, I think you are going to want one of them. And this has been an ongoing question every single week, whether you want to look at Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry. And the tail of the tape this week, I think, is actually pretty difficult to parse for me anyway. So um, on one hand, you have Cook, who is who has scored three fantasy points more per game than Henry, and he's $800 cheaper than him, mm-hmm. right? So on the surface, you're like, well, you got to play Dalvin Cook in that case. But I think the matchup really is a potentially pretty significant fly in the ointment this week. So Cook going up against Chicago, um, and the Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites here, so you know potentially a positive game script. Now, the last time Cook played against Chicago, he touched the ball 34 times. That's a lot of times. And on the surface, that feels like that's a very bullish signal, and it probably is, like if we know that that's sort of the game plan for how they, they want to use him against Chicago. But it wasn't really all that effective. He turned that into just 13.2 fantasy points. Uh, you could argue that he ran bad on touchdowns. When you're touching the ball 34 times in a game, like you probably should score a touchdown at some point. He didn't. Um, nonetheless, he, he's still quite a strong play against Chicago at a very low price point. The tricky part about playing Cook, though, is that you got Derrick Henry, who has really turned it up recently. Uh, it's going up against the Lions this week, uh, coming off a week where we played him against the Jags, where he touched the ball 28 times for 222 yards yeah. and two touchdowns. That's a pretty darn good game. And you talked about the Jags and their moving defense. Well, Detroit is the team, I believe, that's below them if, you, <laughs> if you're adjusting things, or at least it was when I refreshed the DVOA page when I wrote the article. So uh, nonetheless, Detroit, if not, they're, if not being the worst, are one of the worst defenses in the entire league. Now, we've just seen what Henry can do in a game script that favors him, right? Uh, two of the last three weeks, he's topped 35 FanDuel points. So I actually think this is pretty close, though. Do you have a sense for – do you feel like it's clear either way? Yeah, I think it's clear for me that it's Henry, I think. Um, okay. That's sort of how – Well, you should go have a discussion with our system because our system is sneaking cook in here and there where it can. It's cl- Well, just because of the price on FanDuel. Like, there, we have, yeah. we have uh, Henry for two more fantasy points right now. But the eight hundred dollars makes a big difference. And by the way, it's, it, obviously it's these two guys, and there's a big drop off to the next guy. So it's like it's sort of wrestling with that decision. It's it's the same thing on DraftKings, I think. Right? Yeah, because Cook is five is five hundred dollars cheaper on DraftKings. So the um, yep. I think you're you're only really kind of saying you know what are you able to get with that savings in the rest of your lineup? Because I think just from a projection standpoint. For me, it's Henry. The matchup's just—it really just kind of comes down to where we land with the matchup. And you know, they're ten and a half point home favorites. Uh, let's see where Minnesota was. Um, yeah, Minnesota three point home favorites. There's just more implied points coming up the board for Tennessee. We've seen what they want to do when the game is in their favor. They're just gonna—he's he, just gonna touch the ball twenty five plus times. That's just kind of. As Cook probably will too. That's the problem. But I—I I think I'm with you overall. I think the extra additional spending 
is worth. But I, I just want to point out, I think a lot of people will look at this and say that Henry is a slam dunk. Maybe this is an opportunity then to pivot into Cook in your big tournaments then because um, I do think at the very least it's probably close. But, uh, you know, in some ways this is going to be – picking one of these guys is not going to be the part that feels hard this week to me. It's picking the guys after these guys <laughs> that's going to feel – that's going to feel, I think, well, a little I think bit difficult. I, I got the sense that there was one, there's one more guy. There's here. one other clear guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's that's Cam Akers. Right. Um, Akers, I, I think, is – I mean, it's hard to say because maybe people will play Henry at a higher rate. But if, if Henry and Cook get split, he seems like very obviously the highest-owned running back of the week. Over the last two weeks, he got 50 total carries and four total targets. But whatever, we'll take it. And that kind of opportunity on a pretty good rushing team in the most favorable possible game script, right? I mean, they're 17-point favorites here going up against our Jets. I uh, I say our Jets because we just keep betting the Jets <laughs> plus whatever double-digit number. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I like Akers, obviously. I, I don't know that how deep you need to go on it. He, he's won this Rams running back carousel thing, and he's been very effective and you need him at this price point too if you want to pay up at running back. It's it's just a free square, I think. Yeah, like you said, the snaps have been overwhelming in his favor. The touches have been overwhelming in his favor. He's looked great. It's kind of checked all the boxes, and it's one of these situations that happens multiple times a season where someone's opportunity becomes a new thing, and while the price mm-hmm. got adjusted some, it didn't get adjusted enough. And that is, it's again, you called it a free square. That's probably the best way to put it. I think he'll be over an overwhelming chalk play. If you want to make any case against him, and I really don't, but it's that the Jets are actually much better against the run than they are the pass this season. They're a bad defense, but it's almost all because of uh, how bad they are against the pass, where they rank dead last. They're actually top 10 against the run. Sometimes these kind of funnel things are a little bit weird um, just because, I don't know, one thing can look kind of good because it's it's not so much that they're like such a good offense. They might just be so bad against the pass that people just don't even bother with the run <laughs> against them. So I, sometimes like, I get a little distrustful when I see huge... It's also game script related, I think, too, where it's like once you're up by 17, the defense is like, we think you're going to run now. You right, know? right. And they, they can kind of yeah just stuff the run, basically. But yeah, nonetheless, you're still going to play K-Makers. I mean, the, the, the whatever the Jets have mustered... Uh, on defense against the run is nothing compared to all the other factors working in his favor Uh, but yeah so after this though is when it gets really really difficult Um, and I'll just give a rundown of some situations we're keeping an eye on Uh, the first one's in Tampa Bay where Ronald Jones the second has had finger surgery Uh, so he had a steel rod inserted into his pinky I believe which sounds pretty painful somehow he's still considering playing football in the National Football League on Sunday this is one of those things where I realized that Football players are made a little bit differently than you and me, Doug. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if he winds up sitting, that's going to open up a ton of opportunity for somebody. Last week, LaShawn McCoy was sort of the second man up. We've seen Fournette get big opportunity in the past, although, of course, he was a healthy scratch last week. And Vaughn is still lurking as well. So it, we'd be waiting and seeing. Uh, maybe it'll wind up being a timeshare. But say McCoy was the lead back, he's less than 5,000 on FanDuel. So um, definitely a situation you're going to keep an eye on. I think if Ronald Jones plays, you could also consider playing him. I like. I, I would assume that if he's out there, he's just going to get the carries. He didn't. He injured this finger in the last game and didn't get pulled from the game. So um, you know, Tampa Bay again, very favorable game script potentially against a you know kind of floundering Falcons team there. So um, yeah, just I'm keeping a close eye on that situation. Is the long story short? I think 
we have the potential for a significant opportunity. And then, yeah, after him, there's just a bunch of guys that I don't feel too passionately about. You got like, you know, Jonathan Taylor had a bunch of carries last week, but two weeks prior against this very same matchup, he didn't touch the ball very much. Um, if Breeze happens to come back, which I don't think it sounds likely right now, but, you know, you could think about Alvin Kamara, uh, David Montgomery is still around. He's still getting huge cash game ownership. The uh, The production was there last week, but the opportunity is still not that, you know, reassuring to me. Do you have a feeling on any of this, you know, third tier of running back here? Do you lean one way or the other? Is there someone I'm missing? Uh, what are you seeing here? Um, yeah, I, yeah, okay. So I don't, the Montgomery thing, it was funny about him because like it was weird. He was like, kinda, he was well on his way to having a massive day. And then the game script just, it, they actually just got up by so much that they just kind of re- ended up resting him. <laughs> so, um, but it's what, it's still the Bears. They're kind of, they're still underdogs here. I actually don't mind Taylor. Um, and with the understanding that there's some scariness around how the Colts sometimes use him, I think in general, he's probably a pretty safe play. Uh, you know, you didn't mention, I don't even mind Miles Sanders here. The price has really come down on yeah. him. Um, and he actually got a lot of targets from Jalen Hurts last week, four targets. So they, I do think that there's, it ends up being sort of this group of guys, um, that, you know, don't, don't feel terrible about any of them, but don't feel necessarily great either. Among that group, I'd probably say like, at Taylor's probably my favorite. It probably goes like Taylor, Sanders, Montgomery, something like that. If they didn't, I, I haven't thought a ton about it yet. But they, it's just I, tough because like Taylor, so everything goes perfectly for him last week against Vegas. You know, the game script was absolutely ideal. He does touch the ball twenty-two times, but it's not like Hines and Wilkins were just all of a sudden disappeared, right? Like they were still getting on the field a lot, touching the ball a lot. It was just that there were so many carry or carries to pass around. Yeah that he winds up getting there i just don't know that you can pencil him in for anything near that opportunity and he's like i said he's 7400 man that's i don't know i i'm i'm getting a little bit spooked thinking about and i you know i make the same argument against montgomery too at the end of the day you have to play somebody you don't have to play a third running back i guess you could stick a wide receiver in the flex if you want to but you know that brings its own series of questions i'll say this is a position where i'm i am hoping for more value to open up because i don't feel good about any of these other recommendations right now. Yeah, uh, we'll get into some more of these guys in a game-by-game podcast yeah. tomorrow, and have, maybe we'll have a little bit more um, injury clarity as well. Let's roll into wide receivers. Um, I think actually wide receiver for me, at, recent, at least around a couple of guys, is pretty clear. Uh, I Brandon Ayuk is just a wide receiver one. He's not priced like it, and um, we talked about him last week as a as a really you know pretty clear value play. He was in 100% of our lineups mm-hmm. on all sites. He once again he's he's the clear target favorite here in San Francisco. It's not particularly close. He's actually since I wrote this and I'm going to screw up the timeline, but I think it's over like the last six weeks. I'm going to say he, four weeks. Four weeks. Um, well, it's it, it's but it is but it isn't because he had a co- he had two weeks where he missed because of COVID. So that's oh, why it got it got like a little weird. I had to like do a, a, a query and then I did it by points per game instead of overall points. But and gotcha. it's his last four games, but it's over the last six weeks of the season. Okay. He ranks third in the NFL in targets, and he's ranks third overall in DraftKings points per game for wide receiver. Like he's just been he's been amazing, and. I don't know if it's like the you know the lack of touchdowns that's keeping the price down, but last week he had 16 more targets, 10 catches, 119 yards, and now Debo Samuel is going to be out. So I don't actually think you can give Ayuk much more opportunity with the Samuel thing. I think he's pretty much peaked at his opportunity. And that being said, the price hasn't come up at all to reflect 
what that actual opportunity is. So he, to me, feels basically like a lock on both sites at his current price point. 6300 on DraftKings, 69 on FanDuel. The FanDuel price particularly is a total joke. Um, so he's a 100% lock for me. I am wondering what your thoughts are with, if no Samuel, how deep we can think about getting into the San Francisco wide receiver core because Kendrick Bourne was sort of the next mm-hmm. guy up. But we also saw a big game from Richie James a few weeks ago when all these guys were out. How speculative would you want to get on San Francisco without Debo? Or is it just kind of Ayuk or Boston will kind of deal with? Because, you know, last week we talked about some of these cheap guys for Houston, right? Like there is, there are passes to be had here. Um, but I just don't know how speculative you want to get on the rest of the group. Not very. I mean, they're not extremely high quality passes for the most part. And these aren't exactly high quality wide receivers either. So I don't feel the need to stick my neck out. I mean, Bourne had seven targets last week. He caught three of them for like 40 yards. So I don't think we need to go too deep there um Richie James did have that one big week he only had three targets last week I just don't see San Francisco as a team that can support two fantasy wide receivers for me by and large I mean unless there was an obvious guy who was going to come up obviously paying 4900 for someone or whatever is is nice and cheap and you can get away with a lot at that price but on the surface I'm not super excited about it Good matchup against Dallas, who's got a bottom third defense yep. this season. So, like I said, it's for me, it, it is Ayuki's pretty clearly. Um, he's just a wide receiver one. That's priced like a wide receiver two. I, I just there's not really another way to say it. The other guy that our system is basically locked on right now, and it was last week as well, is Michael Thomas, who has not, in terms of target share, he's not gonna, he's not where he was last year, and it was gonna be impossible basically to get back to a record breaking season that he had in terms of targets last year. So I, you never, you can't put him there. Uh, obviously to start and that but then the beginning of the season with the injuries and some other stuff the targets just it, it just wasn't there for him but it's definitely mm-hmm. come back over the last four or so weeks uh, with Taysom Hill yeah where he's gotten double digit targets a couple times the only thing that hasn't really produced is touchdowns he has no touchdowns this season now you can say well <laughs> that's, that's not very many no yeah it's I, I can't even really call it bad luck either because the red zone targets really aren't there either. So they're just running okay. the ball. They're just running the ball so much in the end zone. I think even without the, the the touchdown equity, the targets are still just good enough. Like 8, 11, 6, 12 over the last four weeks, 200-yard games in there. Um, he still converts his targets into catches at a really high rate. And so I think for me, the price for sure is being kept down because of the no touchdowns. And that might continue, but it's still at 7,000 on FanDuel. I, like I... It just feels easy. 7,200 on DraftKings, maybe that's a little closer. But it, just the PPR piece of it, he still maintains this price even without the touchdowns. Yeah, I'm I'm with you the whole way. Yeah, he's not getting the opportunity he was last year, but he's also $2,000 cheaper than he was yeah. last year. So I don't think the spread between last year's production and this year's is $2,000 worth. So, yeah, I think this is a, a deep discount on Thomas and what he's bringing to the table even right now. And I, while the red zone targets haven't been there, that it honestly just feels a little bit like a sample size thing to me. Like a lot of times they are trying to scramble in with Hill, but he's still lurking there as the best offensive option they have, right? So it's not like they've forgotten about him entirely. I'm, yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned about that. I think eight catches on eight targets again last week. He's the safest option in the passing game for Hill, a guy who's been struggling to pass the ball. I think we could see him push back over double digit targets and would be excited to play him in cash. Um, I wrote up Allen Robinson as another just a high floor kind of guy. This, the targets for him have been better when Mitch Trubisky. They were they were basically good all season long, but they have been slightly better with Trubisky under center than Nick Foles. So I think you can be pretty aggressive with his um, projection here. Um, he's a little expensive, so I don't love that. Um, 
anyway, those are my quick thoughts on Robinson. I do, I do think there is a group of sort of speculative wide receivers. I'm just going to roll through some of those guys. I, I don't, I don't know if I'd feel great about any of them in cash, but you know, Chad Hansen saw the most targets for Houston last week after we thought it was going to be a Kiki Kute week, which didn't really materialize. Um, You've got to check out Devontae Parker's health because the guys like Matt Collins and Lynn Bowden both got a lot of targets last week for Miami, but I'm just not sure where we're going to go with that. Any any quick thoughts on any of these like sort of like more speculative guys? Actually, you know, more specifically, let's say Devontae Parker missed this week and we knew that he was going to sit. Would you trust the target shares that we got from Matt Collins and Lynn Bowden? Like uh, Hollins had nine targets, but they both had nine targets actually. Uh, both had let's see, Hollins had sixty-six receiving yards. Bowden had eighty-two receiving yards. They might also be without Mike Gasecki as well. Gasecki got hurt during the game last week. It looked like he dislocated his shoulder. Maybe it looked really pretty gnarly. But um, if we we're if they if Miami was missing. You know, I think I think those are the two highest target guys. Would you start trusting these cheap guys in Hollins and Bowden? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, Gesicki already has been ruled out, by the way. So, um, or has he? No, they fear that he's going to miss at least <laughs> these headlines. It's kill, killing me. Um, yeah, Lynn Bowden, I think is is playable. Nine targets, seven catches for eighty-two, like you said. And I think importantly for me, he also had four targets that he turned into receptions in the prior game. So, not like totally out of nowhere. And the price is right, right? I mean, we'll get to this at tight end, but we've already talked about wanting to play a pretty expensive quarterback, the most expensive running back. We're going to probably want to play the most expensive tight end once again. So when you put all that math together, you'd really like to find some savings somewhere. Not that catching targets from Tua is like the best thing in the world right now. But it's something, and it's sub five thousand. I, I think you can absolutely get away with it. Yeah, um, I think I was just looking at some of these other, you know, if the, you know. If those two guys were to miss, I was just just checking in real quick where the snap count went. Bowden actually played the most snaps of anybody on the Dolphins, looks like it, last week. I don't know if that's counting some special team snaps or not. But, um, yeah, he had 59 offensive snaps, which is more than uh, – eh, no, sorry, eight, two ahead, 83. Sorry, I'm stumbling through that part. But, um, yeah, I think Bowden, Bowden of that group would probably be the one I felt the best about. Uh, but they're just both coming so cheap that um, – I, I'm with you that the two target, the two passing targets aren't the same as getting them from like you know Patrick Mahomes or whatever, but the price probably wins out. Let's roll into tight end. Um, I think I know where you're going to start here. We rolled them in cash games last week. It just worked again. Uh, I mean, are we just Kelsey or bust, or does some of the injury stuff around some of these other guys make it like we might pivot to like an Adam Sheehan or something like that if Gaiseki miss? Where, where do you want to go with uh, with tight end? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to argue against playing Kelsey at tight end right now. Uh, he's now got eight catches or more, not targets, eight catches or more in six straight weeks. Uh, he's topped 100 yards in all but one of those games. He's topped 125 yards in four out of those six games. So he's just an absolute machine right now. It's hard to imagine a safer play period at this price point, I would say. so. And that's like putting him in the category with quarterbacks and things like that. He's just a phenomenally safe option. And unlike a lot of these other players, you know, like running backs, quarterbacks, et cetera, there really aren't other good plays at cheaper price points. <laughs> so you basically have Kelsey, and then you have a huge drop-off in safety beneath them. Saints aren't an absolutely great matchup or anything, but tight ends tend to be more matchup-proof than other positions just because, you know, for instance, for running backs, teams can totally stack the run and try to take it away. Wide receivers sometimes will get a specific cover corner. It doesn't often work that way at tight end, so I think Kelsey should be able to cook here pretty well. Um, 
Yeah, so I think you're going to start with that. If you do have to go cheaper, there are some reasonable options in the lower price tier. Um, TJ Hawkinson is the guy that I listed second overall here. He's obviously nowhere near in Kelsey's league, but if the money works out in such a way that you simply cannot pay 8500 on FanDuel for a tight end, Hawkinson is doing pretty well, right? I mean, he's got 28 targets over the last three weeks, top to 80 receiving yards in two of those games, has a touchdown in one of them, you know, 11-plus FanDuel points in the last three games. That sounds fine, right, at the tight end position? Yeah. You're, you're not, like, getting concern- away with murder or anything. If Galladay comes back, you're, you're not going to be happy, but... Um, you just got to keep an eye on Stafford. I, it doesn't look like Stafford's going to play, and that would be where I'd probably have to dun- uh, tick to. Yeah, of course, you, you can't play him if, if Stafford is out. Um, if he, so if I, he plays, I didn't realize though, that, that ribs, pl- the ribs thing is is serious. Yeah, I think okay. so. Um, but even if, so, yeah, I'm my only caveat because Hawkinson has had like pretty like, bordering on elite weeks here in terms of tar- in terms in terms compared of tight to tight end, end uh, they're just elite with no qualification. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's it's only the Stafford thing, um, yeah, and then sure. I, I think it's going to be either Kelsey or just like you know, like I said, if Gaiseki misses, and you want to dip down into the speculative group of Miami tight ends, I think that's like maybe the only reasonable pivot because Kelsey is just again we talked about this last week, and I'm not going to go as long as I did last week about it, but it's just because it's only because KC for a lot of fantasy players that KC is not played on these main slates that you just forget how good this guy is. He's fifth overall among position players. And DraftKings points per game this season. It's like he's just he's just been absolutely and utterly amazing. And uh, just my final piece on this, it just feels weird to pay up for tight end. That's the only thing that like people get kind of screwed up around <laughs> is yeah. that paying up for tight end because every other guy is utter garbage. It just feels weird to do it, and he's the one that you can just you. It's just it's a very easy case to make, and so especially too if you end up getting some of these like Miami cheap receivers, then it just gets really easy actually. Um, because and I, you're playing for Kelsey and you're playing Derrick Henry and Cam Akers and Thomas and Ayuk, and I think that's mm-hmm. I mean that's probably going to be the core of where we are with cash game lineups right now. All right, we're going to be back again tomorrow talking game by game for the main slate. We're going to have some bets that we like going out there as well. Uh, so go check that out when we break down every game in the main slate. In the meantime, dfsr.com slash deals, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com slash deals. We'll get you started on our optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, Player Lab as well, members-only chat, and we cover it all for NFL and NBA. So if you're mm-hmm. um, you know, you're looking for getting started with NBA, uh, which is less than a week away, uh, with the season starting, that we're all of our subscriptions just cover all the sports we do. We don't section it off by sport or provider or whoever wrote the article or, you know, you know this guy's main plays. You pay for that this week. Now, it's all if it's on the site, it's all there for you. So DFSR.com slash deals, buddy. Talk to you tomorrow when we break down every game. Peace.